Hey, welcome to Cross Creek On Demand. We are so glad you are here. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor. We created Cross Creek to be a church for people who don't normally go to church. And so we've designed our Sunday environment, including our online environment, to be a safe place where people can discover God's love for them. We would love to connect with you when you are ready. Go ahead and scroll down and you can click ask a question, ask for prayer. Maybe you could find out how you could get here on a Sunday evening to join us live. But we would love just to be a part of your journey in discovering God's love. When you're ready, we would love to see you in person. Until then, why don't you go ahead and click subscribe so you can be updated on Cross Creek's most recent messages. Thanks for joining us. Remember, if you didn't win and you're new here, you can fill out a welcome card and still get a free gift. We are so glad you're here. If you kind of snuck in during the raffle, one more time, my name's John. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are just really glad that you are here joining us. Um, isn't Christmas fun? Yeah. Love Christmas. The, uh, I mean, the presents, you can't go wrong with presents. If you, if you didn't win, get out, you'll be fine, okay? But... I love the presents, the trees, the songs, the kids being excited. My favorite about Christmas really is the lights. Like we drive around with our, we have three kids. We have a almost seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and an almost four-year-old. And to, sh to get them quiet at night, <laughs> we just drive around looking at lights and we count like, okay, how many Santa Clauses are we going to see tonight? And so we just love like the Christmas lights. And I'm really glad that my neighbors finally put up their Christmas lights. It's very exciting. You know, cr Christmas is awesome. It's fun. It's great. It's exciting. It's, it's happy. Until it's, it's not. Right? Like, you know, this, the idea of Christmas is fun. We love that idea. But often, for, for many of us, Christmas... You know, it can bring pain. It can bring loneliness. Maybe it brings up feelings of, of, of bitterness or unmet expectations. Do you see how I just took us from gifts all the way to unmet expectations? That's, that's what we do here. We just bring you up and down. See, we want Christmas to be fun. We want Christmas to have that, that magical feeling. But sometimes it's, it's just missing. And really, for, for many, Christmas brings a vague Longing of a hazy memory of something better. If you got one of those programs, you can fill in blanks if you want. It kind of keeps you awake while I talk for 10 minutes. But you don't have to. But really, if you think about it, Christmas, the idea of Christmas, and you listen to the Christmas songs, you know, I'm dreaming of a Christmas, you kind of have this hazy, vague longing that there once was something better, right? There's, there's this feeling that there's something out there, some kind of Christmas magic, but it can be hard to reach, and it's not always easy to see. You ever uh, look up at the night sky and, and see stars, and there's this one star that you can kind of see out of the corner of your eye, but when you try to look at it, it kind of disappears? You ever experienced that? Or like a mirage when you're, when you're driving down the road, not in Salem because that is real water, but when you're driving down the road in the summer, you see this mirage and you never actually get there, but you see it and, you know, you see the cartoons growing up of the guys in the desert searching for the mirage and stuff. That's kind of what, what this Christmas feeling is like. Right? We, we would love to see and experience the light of Christmas. We'd love to experience the magic of Christmas, but often it feels like there's just so much 
darkness. It's hard to see the light of Christmas. So much darkness, so much, so much reality that keeps like hitting us in the face. Like Christmas would be great if it weren't for your marriage problems. Christmas would be great if your in-laws weren't coming over. And tap that on to the politics they're going to want to talk about. Work. Christmas is great, but then you know you've got to go back to work in a couple of days, or the next day, or that day. And you look around the world, there's disease, there's hunger, there's injustice. You know, I can say all I want, that God is for you. God's for you. He loves you. He's for you. But often, you know, it feels like, sure, you might say God's for me, but it feels like the world is against me. Like, like, like life is against us. You know, it's, it's hard to believe God is for us when life seems to be against us. You know, if God really were for us, why, wouldn't, why isn't my life easier? Why aren't, why aren't things better? And if we're honest, it's hard to believe that God is for us, not just because of the darkness we see around us and, you know, outside of us, but also because there's, there's a darkness we feel inside of us, too. There's, there's the hurt that we've experienced People have hurt us, and it's left scars, and it's left marks on the inside that nobody can see. We feel like people can see it, but it's in us, and, and if people found out, you know, they wouldn't really like us. So there's, there's the hurt that we've experienced, but there's, it's hard to believe God's for us when we really are honest, and we look at the hurt we've made other people experience. Right? In some way, we've, we've all hurt somebody, and the, the biblical writers, the guys who, who wrote the Bible, call that, I know it's Christmas, but they call that sin. <gasps> You're still safe. There's seven exits. They're not locked. But hang on. Sin really is what we, we call sin breaking the law of love. Jesus said, hey, the one thing I want you to know about God is he wants you to love other people like you love yourself. And we've all broken that law of love, right? We've all said, hey, what I want is more important than you. We've all caused hurt. We've all caused pain in some way. And so we have this darkness that we see outside in the world and, uh, and affecting us. But we also have this darkness that we see inside of us. And in the darkest time of the year, right now, yesterday was the shortest day of the year, the darkest day of the year, we have the, the light of Christmas, Christmas that gives us that, that strange feeling that, you know, things really aren't supposed to be like this. It's supposed to be different. This isn't right. Life should be different. And if we're all honest, I really think we would say, you know, the world seems dark, but something in us says it's not supposed to be like this. It's not, there's something wrong. We all feel it, and often we don't even understand why we feel it. Now, in all of this, in this, all this darkness and this hope for light and hope for something better, there's a crazy story of an ancient promise that the darkness, in the end, doesn't actually win. There's, there's this ancient story that God agrees that things shouldn't be this way and that he's actually going to do something about it. It's a, it's a promise that a baby would be born to change all of this. A baby born to bring light to the world. A baby born to bring light to our souls, light, light to our hearts that feel at times dark. A baby that was born to prove not only that there is a God, but that God loves us 
and is for us. In fact, the whole point of Christmas is Christmas is about God making things the way they should be. That's the whole point of Christmas. God making things the way we all feel things should be. Now, if you're, if you're one of those people that were, you know, somebody dragged you here, drugged you, dragged you, drugged you, whatever it took <laughs> to get you here, and you're like, man, I hope this guy shuts up soon. I will in a little bit. And you're like, you know, I don't buy all this God, all this Jesus, angels. Come on. Awesome. We made this church for you to be skeptical. We made this church for people who are like, you know what? I, maybe there's a God. I don't know. Maybe I don't care. But I don't, I just, I don't know. I have doubts. Awesome. If you don't buy anything I just said, stick around. Okay, just give me, give me 10 minutes. Give me, give me 10 minutes of an open mind. Just, gi- just give me a chance. So here's the crazy story I was talking about. 2,700, about 2,740 years ago, a Jewish prophet wrote this. His name was Isaiah. And he wrote this. The people who walk in darkness, us, right? I was just describing how we all feel there's this darkness. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine And he goes on, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice. Who doesn't want more fairness and justice? From the throne of his ancestor David, the David and Goliath guy, for all eternity, the passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. So this ancient prophet, again, stick with me, this ancient prophet said God himself will somehow come as a child and make things the way they are supposed to be. He will bring light to the darkness. He'll he'll fix things the way we know things should be. But not only would this promised child show us the light of God's love, he would grow up. He would suffer and he would die to take the darkness within us and without us away. Isaiah again said this. My servant, talking about this baby that was supposed to be born, grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his trouble were a puni- troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. When we said, what I want is more important than you, it says, this promised person will be crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths, the path of love, of loving others as we love ourselves, to follow our own. Yet the Lord God laid on him the sins of us all. And I know that sounds crazy. Like, I know that's weird, a pastor saying that's this, this Bible passage sounds crazy, but it does, right? How does, how does that all work? How does that happen? I know it sounds like a crazy story, and I would agree, except for one thing. 
There's a man called Paul. He was, we call him the Apostle Paul. He went around. Uh, we, we, actually, we meet Paul. He's, he hates Christians. Like His job is to go and arrest Christians and get them killed and that type of thing. And then he meets Jesus, and his life completely changes. And he went around the Mediterranean, ancient Mediterranean, starting groups of Jesus followers, we call churches. And he, he, he recorded this for us. He was writing to some Jesus followers in Corinth, and he wrote this. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ, Jesus, died for our sins, just as the scriptures said, like we just read. He was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, the lead disciple, and then by the twelve, the other disciples. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. James, by the way, Jesus' little brother. I've said this a lot, but if you're new, I need to say this for you. What would it take for your little brother to worship you as God? Exactly. Probably you saying, hey, in three days I'm going to die, but don't worry, I'm going to rise from the dead, right? Right? I'll be dead for three days, but don't worry, I'll come back. And then he pulls it off. That might make your little brother think you're God. See, what I just read to you, seen by more than 500, Christ, Christ uh, suffered and died according to scriptures, that is actually not just Paul's thinking, Paul's writing. That was an ancient creed. A creed is something where you know, a group of people say, hey, this is our main thing, let's memorize this. And they would make it rhyme so you could remember it, like A, B, C, D. E-F-G, H-I-J-K, L-M-N-O-P, right? And so it would rhyme and it would, you'd, everybody would be able to remember. You could teach it to kids. What he just wrote was actually part of an early Christian creed saying that Jesus was the promised one that Isaiah talked about and he fulfilled God's promise by dying and rising again. That he was actually physically seen after his death by more than 500 eyewitnesses, including, like I said, his younger brother, James. And again, I wouldn't believe any of this. And I understand if you're like, you know what? That sounds like the way that just kind of fit together with Isaiah and by the scriptures and all that, that sounds like, you know, this, this myth that somebody made up a few hundred years later and, and just made it fit perfectly with, with this ancient prophecy, right? It sounds exactly like that. And I don't blame you. I would think that too, that it came, that this is some idea hundreds of years later for people to get power and, and enslave other people with religion and that type of thing. I would totally buy that, except the overwhelming majority of scholars, Christian and not Christian scholars, date that this creed is no more than five, was, was created no more than five years after Jesus' death. That people were saying just five years after Jesus' death that he rose from the dead and they saw him. Okay, that's not that long to make up a myth. Right? That's saying, hey, there are people who are still alive who knew Jesus. And I'm saying that they saw him. And you can go ask them. He names them by name. He's like, go ask Peter. Go ask James. They saw him. You don't believe me? You think this is made up? Go ask them. In fact, what we're seeing here is People believed Jesus rose from the dead while the eyewitnesses were still talking about it. See, if somebody died, and I hope I'm not being morbid, but I kind of did the math. Um, Robin Williams died about five years ago. He was awesome. Beloved 
right? People love Robin Williams, but there's nobody who's saying Robin Williams has risen from the dead because we all know it and we, we could go back and fact check it, right? Paul's saying, hey, five years ago, Jesus rose from the dead and people saw him. And one eyewitness, John, Jesus' best friend, tells his account of what happened. And he kind of puts it in perspective. He, he, he talks about God fulfilling his promise of light, of bringing light to the world. Talking about Jesus, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then John tells us about Jesus' life, how he loved the unlovable. He tells us about Jesus' teachings, that God's not mad at you. He loves you. He is for you. It's not about following a bunch of rules. He says, just trust that God loves you and love others as yourself. He tells us about Jesus' miracles of healing blind people, of, of raising somebody from the dead, of, of uh, saying, hey, I'm God and I'll prove it by your sins are forgiven. And you think I don't have power to do that? Well, walk, watch this person who could never walk, now walk, and he does this miracle. Everything dark being undone. And then John tells us about Jesus' death, which actually seemed to end everything. Everyone thought this whole Jesus-following thing was over because there's no religious philosophy to follow after Jesus died because he based everything that he taught on himself. This is what he said. This is Jesus talking. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. See, it's not, hey, you need to memorize these three things. You need to follow these rules. He based it all on himself. So when he died, everybody just scattered. They said, it's over. We're done. We don't know what we're going to do now. Because he based the whole thing on himself. But then something happened that no one expected. It caught everyone completely by surprise. Even his closest friends and followers and family didn't believe it until they actually saw it for themselves. Jesus was killed and then he rose from the dead. The baby who was promised to put an end to the darkness, he grew up and he died to take the punishment we deserved for the pain we have caused others. He had conquered sin, he had conquered death, and brought a light that can chase out all darkness. He had brought us the ability to have a perfect relationship with our Heavenly Father that can start today and last forever. In fact, John summed it up this way. Maybe you've heard this before. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one, one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life, everlasting life that lasts forever with God. God sent his son, Jesus, into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Not rules. Not pretending to feel guilty so God's like, oh, he's cool. Not doing the whole religious routine and the whole religious rituals. Simply choosing to trust that God loved you so much that he came and died for you and rose again to give you life forever. Trusting in Jesus to be the only light that can conquer the darkness around us and in us. In fact, Jesus put it this way. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Jesus said from his own lips that he is the light we all hope for. Jesus is the light we all want to see. We hope is out there. Jesus is saying, that's me. It's not, it's not my rules. It's not a religion. It's not this creed you have to follow. It's, it's me. 
Trust me, he's the light we've all been looking for. The light we keep longing for when the darkness seems to overwhelm us. The light of the world that has come to give us true light. The light that destroys darkness. When you leave tonight and you're driving on the hills of Hilo right out here, watch your headlights chase that darkness away. That's a great symbol of what Jesus does. He chases the dark. He destroys the darkness. And so with that, we have, we have a couple choices. We can kind of ignore it, which is, you know, if you take the historical account into account, it's kind of hard to ignore some facts. So there's a choice to ignore it and just kind of put your head in the sand and be like, oh yeah, Christmas is great. Or you could believe it. When I say believe, it's not like this, you know, this passive thing that happens to you and gives you all these warm and gooey feelings, you know. Belief is a choice. You choose, to, not blind faith, but actually looking at the facts and saying, you know what, this is true. Maybe, maybe I gave you enough proof tonight. Maybe I didn't, and that's okay. If, if you believe it, then you accept it. Yes, Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the only one that can chase out the darkness that's inside of me. If, if that's something you've believed and accepted, you can celebrate it. You celebrate this Christmas that every time you look at a light, you say, you know what? The darkness that I see all around me, that I feel in me, it's not forever. Jesus chases out that darkness. And another choice you can make, if you don't buy all this, or maybe you're not sure, you're like, that sounds okay, come back. Come back in two weeks and hear about how Jesus really can change your life, can make, make your life better, make you better at life, not always easier, but better, can give you purpose, can give you meaning, can give you hope. And so what I'm going to do right now is I'm, I'm just going to pray for us, nothing fancy, nothing ritualistic, but I'm just going to talk to God. And if, if this idea of Jesus being the light and being... Being the king is something you want. I'm just going to lead us in a, a short prayer that you can say in your head. And then we'll, while I'm praying, I'll have the band come up and we'll sing a couple more songs. But if that's something you want, we're, I'll, I, I feel like I can't just leave without giving you the chance, right? So let me just pray for us. You don't have to do anything. I'll do all the work. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you that you are the light, that we're not, we're not uh, stuck in the darkness, that even though the story sounds crazy, it's true. It's real. There's, there's historical proof that, uh, that you died and rose again to give us new life. And so, Father, uh, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Now, if that's, if that's something you want to accept, you don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to open your eyes, you can just repeat in your heart this. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying for me. I believe that only you can chase out the darkness. I believe that only you can give me a new life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being for me. Please come into my life and make me new. Amen. Now, if that was something that you prayed, we would love to know it. We would love to be a part of that journey of yours. So on the blue card that says connect, you can just kind of fill that. There's a box that says, I accepted Jesus today. And we, you can give that to the person at the info table and we'd love to talk to you. But uh, before we stand and sing, I just kind of wanted to think about and, and focus on this idea of Jesus being the light. So I asked the band to, to sing this song while we, while we listen. If there's, you know, if there's something you want to talk to somebody about or, or maybe pray about, we have, we have some friends over here that would... Love to be a part of that. You can get up during the song or even after the service if you want.
Thanks, band. Hey, once again, thank you for being here. Please stick around. We have a whole bunch of treats and goodies for you to enjoy. Maybe meet somebody you've never talked to before, but you don't have to. That's okay. But uh, stick around. We would love for just to give you more stuff. And I hope you guys have a great Merry Christmas. We'll see you later. Thanks for being here.